Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. We are coming to you from the 30th anniversary of the San Diego Latino Film Festival here in Mission Valley, San Diego. And this is just the beginning of a week plus full of Latino movies, long form, some classics, some short films, tequila and beer and food festival, and all of the different things that come within that. So I will be guiding you through this year's film festival from the Wine and Cheese perspective. So stay tuned. Mi gente, I am so excited to share with you that I have been asked so many times if there are any Latino wine brands based in the Temecula area and the Temecula Wine Valley. And I've been saying I haven't been able to find one. So let me tell you, I found a partially owned Latino winery, Altissima Winery in the Temecula Valley. They have six owners and two out of the six. So a third of the winery is are owned by Latinas, actually. So if you guys have been looking for a space in the Temecula Valley area that has wine, I got you. You know I would. Hola, mi gente. So I am, ah, I'm spilling wine already and I've only had a glass. <laughs> would you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Angelita Mendoza. I'm a, a filmmaker and I directed the film The Short Drum. That's part of the Un Mundo Extraño uh, shorts block. So I am super excited. This is my first year at the San Diego Latino Film Festival, but it is, you know, not only just being in San Diego, but just our cultura all over, right? It's just such an important place to be recognized and everything. So how does it feel? Have you had a film in the film festival previously or is this your first one? This is actually my second one and I'll tell you a little bit about it right now, but where are you from? I want to ask you. I'm from San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. Okay, from where? Uh, from Escondido, so oh, North County, San Diego. Awesome. I grew up in Chula Vista. Oh, yeah. so opposite? Yeah. Still San Diego. Still San Diego, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was 20 years in New York, but I'm back and so, yeah. And the last one, that, so the first time I got into San Diego Latino Film Festival was for a film called The Last Light, which was a, a short film also, which actually came out in two different programs that year. It was part of the Frontera Filmmakers program and also the Horror Block, which is great. I love the Horror Block. That's kind of what we're in right now, too, this year. Um, and that film, we shot it in 2017 in Santa Rosa, like near Ensenada, going towards Ensenada. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we shot it on films, Super 16 film. So that was like a great experience. And uh, and yeah, we're lucky to be back and again with a horror film. So I'm excited. Okay, so I have to ask because I feel like it probably hits you differently. Growing up in San Diego, going, venturing out, coming back, because that's what I did too. I lived in Texas for 15 years, but San Diego was always home. But does it hit different being from San Diego and then being part of this festival? I Yes, it's amazing for me. Honestly, um, screening at the AMC here was 
especially the, the first time, was just amazing. I couldn't believe that. It was like, this is a place that we would come to see like movies like Memento, like movies where you couldn't see anywhere else because they were like too indie to, to see anywhere else. And like to be able to screen here, I, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> So people that are didn't get a chance to come to the film festival, they're not here, they're not, whatever. How can people beyond the festival be able to access your films? And then what's the thing that you hope people walk away with when they watch your films? Well, uh, right now, the film is going to be, I'm, I'm hoping, going to be screening in a few more festivals before I can make it make it public. It's still on the festival run. One thing I wanted to say that I missed saying is that the film was actually part of NALIPS, which is the National Association of Latino Independent Producers Women of Color Incubator, and it was sponsored by Netflix, so I'm, like, super grateful to them. And they guided me to through, you know, the writing process, uh, pre-production, production, post-production, so I'm grateful to all of them. Uh, we got a lot of, like, knowledge from, from from uh, industry people, people that knew, you know, that have been out there doing it and kind of guiding us into getting it to a good place. And uh, and yeah, so we're really grateful. This is the first year it starts, it's been out in festivals. So I'm hoping there's a whole nother year of festivals. There's a lot of stuff we're waiting to hear back on. So for now, that's where <laughs> the last light, I believe, is it has had been picked up by Cine Sony actually after a screening here at San Diego Latino Film Festival. So that wound up. I think you might still be able to see the last light on Cine Sony somewhere. In the, in the, I'm not sure on which platform. Well, I'll, I'll have to look for it, and if I find it, I'll make sure to like link it in the show notes so people can can find it and watch it. Awesome. Not only just being a San Diegan, but like being a Latina in an industry that, let's be honest, not known for their Latin, proper Latino representation. So when you're able to bring these films to to life and to the forefront, what do you think that does not only for you, but just for representation within our community as a whole? Well, the industry as it is, is really extremely competitive. And, you know, I mean, they talk about, I don't even want to get into it, but like, you know, people with connections to the industry have it a lot easier. And since we don't have that many people in the industry, we don't have those connections. So we kind of have to, we have to do it for ourselves. So making short films and making that, it's, it's hard work, it's expensive. And you just hope that there's programs out there that can help you find that money to make it. Otherwise, if you don't have short films to show your work, you're never going to get a feature. You're never going to get there. So, yeah, I think it's a matter of, of there's a lot of programs that are coming out, like Nalips, which I'm super grateful, and Netflix, super grateful to them. Like, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been able to produce that film. So, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, for people that are trying to get into the film industry that are in my situation or Latinos specifically, I would say a good thing to do is, like, reach out to these programs that are right now growing and growing. There's more of them. And, and you know, try to get your film made because that's the only way you're going to be able to grow in the industry. So last question, because I know you're going to get pulled somewhere else. Who is like your dream collaboration? Dream collaboration. Oh, and that could be director, producer, actor, like the sky's the limit. There are two directors I wish I could just shadow, you know, learn from. And that's Chris Nolan and Denis Villeneuve. Those two, uh, I love what they do. I love what they do with action, with thriller. I love suspense. And they're doing it. They started off making really tiny movies like Chris Nolan with Memento and uh, Villeneuve with Incendies, which is a beautiful movie. But um, they're now making these huge blockbusters and they're doing it their own way. 
I love Marvel and I love all those, but these are like more original stories that they're coming up with or, re, uh, you know, like some remakes like Dune, but yeah. um, a lot of them are original stories and they're big. They're big budget Hollywood movies and that's, I kind of miss that, you know, from like growing up. So those are two people that I would, I would love to learn from, see how they got their their start and everything and, and how they continue to push that envelope when it comes to thriller and sci-fi and all that. Well, I can't wait to see your short film. Congratulations on being in the film festival for a second time. And I'm really excited to like see where you go and be like, I interviewed her. I know her. I mean, not that I really know you, but I'm going to pretend I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It was awesome meeting you. We are now officially at the Sabor Latino Tequila and Beer Festival with Susana. Hey. And with Olondra. Hey. All right. I don't even know where to start. I would just say right now, if you've never experienced this, you need to come because they have photo booths, they have food, they have brewing companies, they have music. We have not even gotten to the middle of anything yet. So as we meet people, as hopefully I can get some of these Latino vendors, if they're not too busy, I can talk to them and we'll see what's going on. All right, so now that we've tried all the foods, we've tried tacos, we've tried ceviche, we've tried whitefish on a chicharron, we've tried mezcal, we've tried, what else did we try? Uh, machaca de mantarey. Oh yeah, which was your... So what, okay, Susana, what was your favorite dish? Okay, it was from Frida's, and it was some fish and soy sauce and kale. It sounded weird, but it was delicious. Yeah, it was a white fish and ponzu sauce with kale, and yeah, that was super good. Alondra, they had mostly seafood, and you don't like seafood. But the guy who was doing the esquites made you one, because they had like an esquite with... Yeah, with like caviar, so they made you a special one, sin mariscos. So what was your favorite thing that you could have? I think it was a cochinita pibil taco. It was so good. Spicy, but not like really hot, so it was good. Would you come back again? Yeah, I would definitely come back. Yes, especially for the free drinks. <laughs> right, okay. What was your favorite part of just in general of being here at Sabor Latino. The drinks. <laughs> I think just seeing so many people show up in San Diego to try comida Latina is really cool to see. I really wanted to talk to a lot of the chefs and everything, but I gave them my cards because there's a lot of people here and that's kind of just taking away from the guests that are standing at each thing. Jessica, which was your favorite dish? Honestly, I think the the Frida one as well. The white fish, the panzu sauce and kale. Like it was crispy kale too. So I think that was, was the ceviche. My second favorite was the ceviche with like a smoky sauce. It was really, really good. Yeah, that was really good. I think my second, I don't know, I wanted to go back to where the, the uh, oysters were, but they were shucking them, so they we didn't even get a chance to go back over there. But, well, this is day two of a week, of 10 days of the Latino Film Festival, so we shall continue. 
I am with Luis Montiguro. Guro. Montiguro, hey. who is a board member of San Diego Media Arts Center, which puts on the Latino Film Festival. So this is the 30th anniversary. How long have you been part of this whole thing? Well, I've been part of the film festival almost from the very beginning when I first moved to San Diego. I found out about it. And then I was a reporter at one point. I was a reporter for the local paper, the San Diego Union Tribune, and I wrote stories about it. So then I went from going to it to writing stories about it. Then I left the paper, started going again. And then about a year ago, uh, they asked me to join the board of directors. So now I'm on the board on the inside of the film festival uh, and seeing everything. And it's been amazing that it survived and thrived for 30 years. So being part of this and kind of going through this evolution of attending and writing and now being part of the board, what does having this film festival and having this film festival, particularly in San Diego, what does that mean to you? You know, I think the festival brings people together. It, it brings Latino people together, first of all, because San Diego is so spread out and there are very few events that bring them together. But I think it also exposes Latino culture and arts to a wider audience. Having it here at the Mission Valley Mall is great because people who might be at the mall for something else or they go shopping, they may run across the festival here and decide, hey, maybe I want to see a movie, maybe I want to try something different. Oh, I think it works on many levels. Now, I know there's still a couple days of movies left. Have you been able to catch any movies and what has been the most inspirational so far? I've got a few movies so far. One of the really good ones was a documentary called La Lucha. It profiles students at a school, a high school in L.A. area, and it talks about their struggles and how they try to help each other and how the teachers try to help them. I don't want to give it away. It has a sad ending, but then it, then it becomes inspirational in the end. What do you look forward most as this film festival continues beyond 30 years? I want to see how it evolves. One of the things that we're looking at is the way people watch movies has changed. People used to go to theaters a lot more, and then because of the pandemic, they've gotten into the habit of streaming and watching films from their home. But I think you really lose something. You're not in the theater with other people. The best times in, in, in the theater, when you're watching a movie and the theater is full and everyone cheers or claps or reacts all together, you sort of miss that when you're at home on your couch. So I'm hoping it evolves and comes back a little bit more towards that. But who knows how it might else evolve? There's a lot of Latino culture that, and that we can look into, not just films. So hopefully maybe it will evolve and showcase other aspects of Latino culture. Are there any, like I said, I know we have a couple days left, but are there any movies that you're really anticipating watching? You know, I have, I try to catch as many movies as possible and I jot them all. I, I highlight my little schedule and try to try to catch them. So there's so many I have, I can't remember them all, but I try to see what's available when I'm in the, in the, uh, in the theater or near the theater. So I don't have one particular film, uh, but I've got several that I've highlighted and I'm gonna try to catch them all. I love the fact that you have films that have become like really kind of part of 
like certain things that people really watch, like Itumama Tambien. Like that's something that started here at the San Diego Latino Film Festival, and they're actually going to be re-showing it here. That's a great movie. I saw it in the theater years ago when it came out. I had heard about it from the festival, but wasn't able to see it. And then I saw it, and it was amazing filmmaking. And it's exciting to know that the festival had helped bring that about, but we've also featured so many other artists and celebrities over the years. So, uh, and we hope to continue doing that. Thank you so much, I appreciate it. We welcome, thank you. Will you introduce yourself, first and last name, and your organization, please? Uh, my name is Julio Martha. I am with the San Diego Art Society here at the San Diego Latino Film Festival. And what have you been doing here with the San Diego Latino Film Festival? I have been doing a number of things. So I've been coordinating the opening and closing parties with two other coordinators. And I had an art exhibit with my artists on Monday in front of the hub. And they're artists that are part of the San Diego Art Society Collective. They are uh, established artists and upcoming artists. So, And then that was an opportunity to pair the artists that were upcoming to introduce them to the established artists. So I created a connection there and now they're gonna help each other out. So how long have you been doing or working with the San Diego Latino Film Festival? Oh wow, I think for like five years now, approximately. I started as a volunteer and then I loved it and I just kept coming back and coming back and then I was offered a job and I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> Where does your love for this film, this film festival in particular come from? Honestly, it's because I'm Latino and I love supporting my community however and whenever I can. And this, this is really heartwarming and it brings me back to Mexico, which is where I'm from. So it's the love, it's, it's me kind of representing Mexico and giving back my love from Mexico to the festival and representing in the arts or just volunteering or working with the festival. And the crew is amazing. So I've created relationships with them and, and I'm, like it's a big family. How have you seen the film festival change in the last five years since you started? Oh man, it's <laughs> a tough question. I think there's more involvement in the community past a few years. I've seen it grown where artists are more attracted to it, a lot more films. I think it's being more recognized as, as we grow. I think Ethan is doing a fantastic job in, in leading the whole the whole thing and Moises and Juan who are just amazing people to work with. And there's so many more that I, I can mention, but I think they, they're doing a fabulous job. They have a grasp on what the community would like to see involving the community. And it's evolved into bringing artists like myself to be part of it. So I bring my paintings, I bring my collective to it. And that creates more connections, not only from the artists that paint, but also from the performing artists and then the artists that come from out of town to show their film. So you create this entire network of Latinos for Latinos, and that's extremely valuable now at times. That kind of, we're a little diverse and separated in, in so many ways. Well, yeah, because they, well, Latinos consume so much media. We, I think we're like over 25%, 30%, something like that in regards to purchasing tickets for movies and stuff, yet we're represented in like maybe 2%. I don't even think it's that much of mainstream when you go to mainstream theater films. So I think it's really rad, like seeing all of these films together. What would you like, just at, from your mind, 
What would you like to see in the future for these for the San Diego Latino Film Festival? I think I would like to see not from the festival itself, but more of the community coming together. Like there's we're the majority here. We're all Latinos. Uh, and even if you're not a Latino, come support your film festival. This is here to represent you. And and I've volunteered at other festivals, other film festivals, and I see the community come together. I think that as a Latino, sometimes we're a little too shy and don't want to approach, you know, oh, what are they doing over there? Oh, it's, it's just a film festival. But once you get close and you see that you're being represented, that is heartwarming, it's heart-touching. And, you know, there's a saying in Spanish, me infla el pecho, no? El orgullo. So... It's that pride that... Yeah, it's that pride. And, and to me... Like, I love being part of this and sharing it with my community because I have, I talk to a lot of people all the time, like yourself, and I'm like, have you seen the film festival? Do you know it's there? Like, no, where is it? And I, so I invite them and they do come and they get involved and they appreciate it and they always thank me because they're being represented and they feel that pride. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. No, thanks. It's my pleasure. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese men. Given the purchasing power of the Latinx community, let me just tell you, mi gente, we are no longer a sleeping giant. And your dollar, our dollar, is powerful no matter where you go. That's why I'm excited to share that in conjunction with Cadena Collective, we have launched a pozole and wine pairing guide. You might think, what? That's interesting. Or what? That's weird. Or what? Heck no, no way. But you know what? We all like to enjoy different things. This truly only featured Latino-owned wine brands have worked really, really hard to provide wines that go with so many of our foods. So if you've even considered trying tamales and wine, or you've even considered trying pozole and wine, head over to the wineandcheesemypodcast.com, click on media, and there you will find the various resources to pair your wine. Okay, so I just finished watching my DACA life, and it really centers around the person that I'm standing with right now, Maribel Serrano. Thank you so much for taking a moment to talk to me. Thank you so much for being here and watching the movie. Like I was telling you before I started hitting record, you know, I've talked to a lot of people with undocumented status on the podcast, but... Very few people, and, and even just to go on a podcast and to talk about that, I think takes a lot of strength. But to create a whole documentary surrounded by everything, I think is you're putting your face out there. You're putting, you know, your whole story out there. How scary was that for you to, to even start the whole process? It was extremely, extremely scary because I didn't know if I was ever going to see the day that I would be legalized. And I knew that it was putting myself at risk to share my story, let alone like a whole film and my face and everybody, you know, would know who I was and know that I was here not legally because I started sharing my story before DACA. So that was even, you know, more of a risk, but it was scarier to imagine a life where I had to hide in the land of the free. I did not come to this country to live in hiding and to not be myself and be able to give my full potential to this world. So that was as scary as it was. It was scarier to think of having to live a life like that. One of the things, I mean, you said so many things I think were very poignant throughout the documentary and that I was like, oh my gosh, and I kept tearing up and, and everything. But when you 
finally got the chance to go to Mexico and visit your family that you really had, hadn't seen since you were, what, four years old. You said something about you didn't, your Spanish wasn't as good as you thought it was. <laughs> and like just being able to, there's just this whole other life that you were just reconnecting with. And the question that I have is, did you feel like that kind of reconnected you? Because I know a lot of people, whether they're first gen, whether they come, they always feel like this bicultural pull that they don't know where they belong. How was that for you? when you live, you know, before you went to Mexico and then after you went to Mexico? Yeah, before I went to Mexico, it was a, it was a concept and it was a, a scary concept because all I knew about it was what was in media, which was, you know, the gangbangers and, and the villains. And it was always so scary and negative and threatening. And I didn't want to be associated with that, to be honest. Um, my family didn't speak about Mexico too much either because they really wanted us to assimilate and embrace being in the U.S. and be proud of it. So it was not something, I didn't even know if I wanted to go back. But after going back to where I was born, but also exploring more parts of Mexico, like the, you know, Mayan areas of the Caribbean and Mexico City. Also, where else did I go? Oh, Puerto Vallarta, uh, Nayarit, so many different states. I fell in love and I realized how much the world actually loves Mexico and how much greatness there is and how the idea that the media tries to portray is not entirely true and there's so much more beauty and greatness and wealth and wealth of culture and and food and people and experiences and nature and it's so beautiful and so now I'm very proud to say that I'm from Mexico because I now I know what I'm talking about from a first person perspective perspective not from a narrative in the media now that you've shared your story and in this grand way right because this is a grand way having a documentary centered around you and and your daca life um what do you hope people get from it and what do you hope other dreamers people that are still still have daca status can learn from from your experience i hope that people get that there is no shame in being who you are authentically even if someone else is telling you that you're something different whether it's someone you know personally or it's someone in the media or it's the government you know in your heart who you are and what you deserve so I hope that people get that understanding of themselves and honor themselves for their true authenticity and what I would say to other DACA recipients is take care of yourself because this is a very heavy thing to experience throughout your life and you have a you know we've been dealt these cards that make it very difficult to navigate life but ultimately, find the freedom within, take care of yourself, love yourself, do things that will make you happy, that will spark the joy that is within you, and never give up on your dreams, whatever they are. Keep fighting for them, and you're perfect and beautiful just the way you are, and you're not defined by your status. Thank you so much, Maribel. I really, really appreciate that, and I can't wait to see like everything else that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am with the director and producers of the film that we just, there are we, I say like you guys were with me, that means you need to go watch the damn movie. Uh, My Daca Life with Fanny Grande and Nelson Grande, who will also be panelists on the LA live version of the Wine and Chisme. I'm so excited that I got to be here and I got to watch this documentary. It was so, so powerful. And, you know, I had the opportunity to 
speak with Maribel and let her know, like, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I have friends who are undocumented. I've talked to a lot of yeah. people who are un undocumented mm. on the podcast. And, you know, she's putting it out there. Mm. And it could have gone a completely different way. So being... Like, she's, she's willing to put it out there, but basically being the people that are responsible for putting it out there, what kind of responsibility did you feel in regards to navigating her story? I personally felt honored that she chose us to tell the story. But the entire time we were filming and we've been doing this project, we were very aware of her situation. But she sort of, she set the, the tone. She set the tone. She was so brave about it that we just sort of followed her lead. We just wanted to make her proud and also use this as a way to really shed light into what's happening to other undocumented individuals and DACA recipients specifically in the U.S. I think for me, I was just really excited because I was, you know, being a Latino, I'm, I'm a U.S.-born Latino, but there was still a blind spot for me, like on DACA. I, I had no idea what DACA was. So for me, I think that was more overcome with the, the excitement of getting to learn as we were shooting this. But I think as far as the responsibility kicked in, I think that actually kicked in after for me. Like once we were back in the States and everything came through, I don't know if it was maybe like part adrenaline, but I was like, oh man, that could have gone really bad. <laughs> that, could have, that could have gone wrong. But and it's just kind of, I think, just how I operate in general. But again, taking with Maribel's lead and then, you know, seeing how excited Fanny was directing it and just getting into it. I think, you know, that energy was contagious and we just went through it and not till we were settled did it feel like we'd gotten away with stuff. And actually, funny story, when we were um, filming at the airport landing in, in Mexico, you know, I had, first I had the big camera out, you know, I got this camera out and all these, you know, all these guys, you know, the, the, the police officers and the airport security out there with, you know, their assault rifles, like, you need to put that away. And I was like, yes, sir, you know, <laughs> immediately. Then, you know, I sneak out my iPhone and started recording with that. And eventually I got caught with that with that too. They had me put that away. But, you know, there was a little excitement in the actual journey of shooting, you know, when oh, we arrived we in the airport. an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> <laughs> So you were both saying that you didn't really, really know a lot about DACA going into the project. What is the thing that most surprised you together or individually about this whole process? That is really just a temporary thing. It's just a Band-Aid and a very large issue affecting a very large community in our country. I also can't to this day understand what would be the benefit of deporting Americans who were born. I mean, they weren't born here, but they were raised here. They were educated here. They, they built a life here and they're not hurting anybody. I also learned that it's very, very difficult to become DACA. And lastly, that even if you're DACA, there's no path for normalization, right? People think like, oh, it's fixed. It's just a limbo. People are in limbo. They do have some protection, but the program's being stripped of its of its rights. The program's being it's only a year now. It's very expensive. So I learned a lot throughout this process. I'm actually I was born in the U.S., but I grew up in Venezuela. So I always had documentation, but I always felt like I'm an immigrant because I didn't have I didn't grow up here. But these kids, they grew up here. They're as American as they come. Yet we're telling them they're not. So I don't know. It's just very it's just a very complicated issue and we made it into a political issue rather than what it is, which is a human issue. Right. Yeah.
something really interesting came to light to me for me when I when I learned about the DACA program. For me, it's like for those who understand DACA, you have to understand that there are a lot of things you have to qualify. You have to be an exceptional citizen. And I'm, I'm talking about like you are you are I mean, you're you're monitored. You have to check in. You, there, there's a lot that goes into keeping your DACA status and comparing DACA recipients side by side with some, you know, naturalized American born citizens who have the free will to do whatever the heck they want to do. I, I almost feel like I would happily trade, you know, all these all these DACA citizens who are upkeeping wonderful statuses, doing their best work for citizens who are here just taking advantage of the system and who aren't really who aren't really contributing. Not to say I want to kick, you know, naturalized Americans out of the country. Oh, I have a few family members <laughs> that I wouldn't mind trading. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's this dude back in middle school who, you know, I, I still, he's a bully. You know, Joey, if you're listening to this, no. No, but, you know, but in all seriousness, people just get really triggered with this, you know, it has to do with immigration. So they're like, no, that's an instant shutdown for them. They don't want to have a conversation around it when they don't realize that, you know, DACA recipients are actually, you know, in other words, just like model citizens. And that's really what came to light for me. So where does the film go from here? Because obviously you're going to get to a point people want to see it. It's going through, I'm guessing, the festival circuit right now. So where are you guys going from here? And then where do you want it to I'm guessing you want it to land on your new platform. Yes, that's correct. So I got you. <laughs> hey, you awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So we, yes, we are touring with the film festivals. We're, you know, what's been cool. A lot of corporate groups have been reaching out because they want to do screenings of it and schools. I think it's a very important film for our youth to watch. And yes, it's going to land on A plus our streamer that we're launching in a, in a, in a few weeks so you know if you're listening to this download a plus and watch madaka live and we have other wonderful stories that we're hosting on the platform yeah just just a second that you know a plus will be available you know a plus by avenue that we available on roku amazon fire apple tv android ios everywhere so we intentionally create it to be you know it's free and ad supported so you know no subscription fees so people can just watch it download it and watch as much as america you know amazing content like this you know a lot of the stuff we make and all the stuff that we have on the platform has to do with sharing our stories as latinos american latinos and not just you know what everyone expects us to be all mexicans you know we're we're everything you know three different here right yeah yeah the three of us here are you know right here within this microphone are all three different you know have different three culturally different backgrounds with the beginning all similarly you know so that's um that's what something we're excited for you know and not only not only to educate others that's i think the secondary the secondary um mission there but the primary mission with the digital streamer is to really have us all be heard and be seen and understand our stories told by us so make sure to go to avenida.tv right is that what it is tv and you'll see everything that we offer and you'll be able to pre-sign up for the platform. And don't worry, guys, I'm going to hook them into something else soon. Because <laughs> I know people want to hear. I know people want to know. So thank you guys so much. I'm so happy I finally get to meet you in person. And I can't wait till you truly sit down and get to talk about representation in media next month in April at our live show. So, yes. I'm looking forward to the wine and the cheese, man. <laughs> Thank yes, you guys the so wine, much. Especially the wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mi gente. I'm so excited. <laughs> I did not pay them to do that. 
Yeah. Thank you. I am with Gabriela Revilla Lugo. Oh, thanks for mm. saying it in Spanish. Girl, we have to say our names correctly. I say this all the time on my podcast is if you can say all these European Absolutely. names with like no vowels, you can say our name. If you yeah. can say Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. Yeah. If you can say like <laughs> Jessica Maria Garcia. Right. Exactly. Which is the other person I'm with, Jessica Maria, <laughs> Maria or Jessica Maria. Marie. Yeah. yeah. Wait, my that's, mom, yeah, that's my, my middle name too. And my first name, Jessica. You're lying. No. Twins. Yes. Twins. Jessica, Jessica Marie. Twins. So, Twins. Yes. We're just now besties, duh. <laughs> All of us. No, it's sisters, I think. We're going to okay. drink wine. Yes, 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 yes we are. So I am so excited because we just came out of the screening for your short film, Illegally Brown, yes. which Gabby directed and Jessica executive produced along with Annie Gonzalez. And people, a lot of people know Annie from me, uh, for Hentified. People know you from, okay, so let me tell you, the first time I saw you, I think it was, I was watching like Live and Maddie yes, with my nephews. Yes. And so then when I saw you on, on my block, I was like, wait, is that the girl from Live and Maddie? Yep. <laughs> she survived. She got out of Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> she survived all that. So we're here, 30th anniversary. Is this your first, Gabby, is this your first film in the San Diego Latino Film it Festival? It is my first film in the San Diego Latino Film Festival. And I'm so excited that we're premiering at a Latino festival, um, which was like a tough decision, actually, because we got into, you know, a couple other festivals, and but they weren't like Latino. And I was like, let's see how we do with our people. Like, let's just make sure it gets embraced. And the response was so great. I was so excited. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. First of all, um, Jessica, newest comedy duo, duo. Yes. You and Annie. Right. I need it. We need more of it. Thank you. So I much. was dying, and I love your like, girl, putting it out there. I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> she also looks. But so she was giving it all away or wanted to. <laughs> she also, I have to say, looks so sexy on set that I was like, this isn't gonna work. Like, I gotta like tone her down. We had to legitimately mess up her makeup. My, my, my and like, do her uh, eyelashes are like off my face. Like off Because it face. was too good. And I was like, no, it's not going to be funny. And I was just postpartum. Like I just had a baby. Are yeah. you serious? Mm-hmm. So how did this happen? How did you get like, how did you get these two and how did, and, and you've got, they become executive producers because I feel like a lot of people, especially a short film, right? You would think you have two very established Latinas. Oh, thank that you. Are, You're not very. Yes. She made me yes. fancy. <laughs> so, a lot of times people would think, well, why are they doing a short film? Like, they could do whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, how did this kind of partnership come about? I had written, like, a version of the movie that I didn't really love. It just wasn't clicking. And then I've always been a big fan of Jess. And so, I, like, I re wrote the part with her in mind thinking like if God is good if I have a little bit of luck like she will say yes you know and so I reached out to her and then I had uh, I reached out to her team at the same time but I just DM'd her and was like yo I'm, a, I'm obsessed and I <laughs> rewrote this thing for you I had uh, just executive produced Palm Springs myself so I was like so you know I'm a, I'm wait, a legit wait, wait. human Palm Springs yes that one what yeah. wait wait is Andy Samberg yeah. Yes. Girl. I was like, Okay, I'm in the presence of like big time, big time. I had no idea. 
I mean, I saw the film and I was like, damn, but like big time, big time. Yeah, oh yeah. Thank you. That's amazing, girl. No, don't Thank look. You. First of all, own that shit. I'm taking up space. I'm taking yes, up space. Yes, that's and your power, and your power. That's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Thank you. But, and she said yes, and I legit oh, started screaming in my like room, and my husband was like, the kids are sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know how um, detrimental that is. <laughs> what was your first thought when you saw the script? Oh, I couldn't believe that she was entrusting me with such a like fun character. I was a little terrified because I felt very out of practice. I hadn't acted since like really the last day of On My Block, which was the day I found out I was pregnant. So a long time had passed since I really did any kind of comedy. And I was like, oh my God, she trusts this with me. It's not like she asked me for an audition. She just like handed it to me and she's like a really big person. And like, no, I really like her. I would never ask you for an audition. Kidding me? It's the mutual admiration club here. And I think it's also like, you know, we're so used of like, you know, Latinos like just being so grateful for like what we are given that we never ask for more. So we don't expect much from people. And I think that needs to change, especially with like my generation and our children's generation. So we gotta ask for more, demand more. Really, don't ask for it, demand more and stand in our power. And I feel like this festival specifically is an example of that. And, you know, one of the most beautiful things just in general is seeing all of the hues of yeah, people yeah. because you know people tend to like you were at you yeah. Jessica you even said like you're tired of kind of just seeing yourself yeah I see people who look like me and you don't see darker complected yeah. people and it's so frustrating because Absolutely. we're not a monolith right everybody says like so-and-so is not a monolith well we're not either yeah, yeah. Elisa Pearl who plays uh, Izzy Ramirez in the movie she says like I walk through the world just as a black woman and for some reason like my Latinos like don't see that and mm-hmm. she's like it sucks to like only be embraced you know thank God she's embraced by this wonderful community but she does wish like our community embraced her more too and offered her more Latina roles and it's like why aren't we being better to our own people you know like we we need to change that absolutely so you're both moms yeah I'm not gonna ask you how you balance it because that's a bullshit question question. I want to ask you how do your partner support you Oh, well, first of all, he's two feet away from me holding my purse and every belonging I've ever had. Yes, my, my husband is taking care of my children in yeah, the yard house right as now. As he should be. That's the thing is, like, your partner, right? He's never babysitting. That's his child. Yeah. Duh. And so we knew that from the get. He was so excited to be a father that he wanted to be a part of every little thing. He never missed a doctor's appointment. I don't have to tell him to make a bottle or change a diaper or spend time. Like, he can sense in me when I'm done yeah. and it's time for him to step in, too. Yeah. And it's like you have this, like, unwritten language that you need to eventually have once you have many conversations and arguments about not being on the same page. Yeah, true. And my my husband, too, also works in the business as Justice Husband, yeah. too. And so I think they know, like, they see how hard we work. And it's like, well, why shouldn't we get to enjoy our lives, too, you know, and enjoy our careers, too? So I, I'm really grateful that they really take that initiative. No, I think that's great. That's why I was like, when people are like, oh, this, I'm like, no, that's a bullshit question. Like, you have to have partner that supports no you. There is no Yeah. You know, I'm not even married and don't have kids. I just have two dogs and a boyfriend, and I'm like, that's a lot of work. 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 When do you ever carry a role with you, or are you, is it very easy for you to be able to let that go? It really depends on the character. But I remember with Jasmine, because she's so, uh, she's a lot. 
and she's a lot to be at five o'clock in the morning and she's a lot to take home. I tried to put all her energy in her in her hoop earrings. So when I took them off, I would try and consciously think, okay, she's also coming off. And I would notice like on the ride up to work, I was jamming out, like going crazy at like five in the morning and home, quiet. Didn't want to listen to anything. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so much to be, to be on all the time that sometimes you just need to decompress. Cause you're not just on on set, like when it's like action, you're on with everyone you're around, with every department, because like, I don't want anyone else to feel my day, you know? Cause I'm the barometer for how the day's gonna go in a lot of ways, you know? And speaking of Palm Springs, I wanna kind of just go back to that. How is it being, cause you have to, being a Latina on some on a, on a set like that, but also making sure that your voice is heard and not getting drowned out by all of these other people that don't look like you, that don't have the same experience as you. How is, how are you able to ensure that your voice is heard? I mean, I didn't know how that was going to go, you know, honestly. And at first, you know, it wasn't always. But then I had a wonderful, wonderful producer named Becky Sloviter who finally was kind of like, well, Gabby's a producer on the movie, so we are just going to, you know, make sure that, that we are hearing you. And thank God for her, you know, like I really think it's like women supporting other women because I've been on sets where I haven't had that person and it is a more difficult than it has to be. Well, I'll tell you, watching your short film, you could tell you guys had a blast. You really do. You really do. <laughs> like, like, that came through. To the point so. where Annie and I, after we were, like, driving home our last day, we were like, do you think they got anything? You know, or do you think it's just <laughs> you and I rambling for, like, two hours? So good. Their chemistry is so I'm telling insane. you, it's the new comedy. We yes. need this. We need this. I'm putting that. it out there. And when it comes to a place, actually, when, because you're probably going through the whole festival circuit. Yeah. So what happens once you're done with the festival circuit, when and where will people be able to watch Illegally Brown? Well, we'll see. We have a bunch of studio meetings that we will concretize after that. I think a lot of people want to wait and see what happens with the festival circuit. And then we're just going to go pitch it and say to people, like, this is what it is. Uh, I'm going to hit up some of the financiers that have supported us before. And um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't want to jinx it. And I have too a big mouth, so if you need another voice, I will. To, like, yeah. advocate. I'm here. Go to uh, <laughs> illegally brown film on yes. Instagram. Follow us. Share the trailer. Tell all your friends about it. Um, watch Jess on Lopez versus Lopez. I'm yes. so excited Should that she's on. Should be streaming now on too. Peacock. Right now on <laughs> you know, what? I always forget Fridays because I just want to decompress, and yeah. then I'm like, oh, it was on last night. Yeah. And then I, yeah. Then I watch it after. So how is it? How is that set on a day-to-day working on that type of sitcom? Oh, it's brilliant. It's the most fun I've, like, ever had. It, you know, I've been so lucky to work with a lot of people on that set. I worked with Harvey on Huge 10 years ago. Chelsea I've been friends with through all, like, the Latino events. It was like, just her birthday, It was just too. her birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Chelsea, Chelsea Rendon. Um, no, it was, it was a blast. And I got to meet Jacob Vargas for the first time, and I was really, really nervous about that because I've looked up to him a lot. And then, of course, George Lopez. Like, you know? So uh, it, it was amazing because he... He's the barometer for that set, right? He's El Jefe. But he makes sure, he would walk by us all the time. You good? You need anything? Like, he would compliment, like, how, it was It was a dream. It really, really was. What is next for you? I know you have to go, so I want to make sure I ask you this question before I ask Mama Bear. Just, yeah. 
Um, what's next for me? I just shot a short with uh, Chelsea Rendon, actually, Woo! called CPA. So I'm going to get into editorial for that. But what's next for me is Illegally Brown. And hopefully, I have a TV show uh, with Selena Gomez and Tanya Siracho called uh, 15 Candles, a reboot of oh, 16 yeah, Candles. I've seen the and we are pushing it uphill, trying to get people to see what we see. And, um, you know, fingers crossed that that happens. So doing a lot of writing and trying to support these, like, beautiful actors because I love them. Gabby, okay, I'm going to ask Jess another question, but I know you have to go. So right now you're on Lopez versus Lopez. Yes. What do what is like the next thing, or do you know what the next thing is? And do you, are you just kind of always being a Latina? Are you always just like, what are yeah. they? How are they going to see me? What it's are they exactly gonna that. But also, I'm trying to take power in my own hands, and I'm developing my own um, projects and writing and producing and, and starring and creating. You know, that's really important to me. Is if someone's not going to make it for me, I will make it for myself. That's not a problem. So that's kind of my next adventure. But also, um, yeah, there are some projects that are kind of like dangling in front of me that I'm just really hope close very soon and then we can celebrate it. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing I can say too much about. Well, when you do your next thing, you ha always have a seat Thank you. at the Wine and Cheese Smith table. I would love that. I would love that. I would love and that. to promote whatever you want, anytime. I am with Rachel and Yingo. Uh, no, Annabelle and Yingo. Oh, Annabelle. Rachel, look, I, I just swapped <laughs> names. Annabelle okay. and Yingo. Uh, she's been with me forever, so <laughs> maybe, maybe in real life. The director of uh, Wish Upon a Disco Ball, yes. which was one of the shorts that we saw tonight, and it was... Girl, it was so good. Oh my but God. before we get into it, we're talking about your last name. Yes. <laughs> I have a little inye on my name for my whole life. I never put it. Because I'd always been around Latino people, so I didn't really have to put it. I went to Florida State in undergrad, and it was the first time that I had to continue to get people to correctly say my name. And I started having to learn, no, I have to properly put my name the way it's on my birth certificate, the way my mother gave it to me, the way my family has had it, in order for people to try <laughs> to say my name correctly. Because there's just something about making someone else say your very Latino name. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, we were just talking about that previously, and I was saying, if you could say all these like crazy European names with no vowels, exactly. you yeah. could say our names, Absolutely. right? And I have this conversation continually, mm -hmm. continually mm -hmm. on the podcast in regards to, look, if, you, if you, that's not how you want to say it, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'll say how you want to say it. Of course. But I automatically, and because I interview people across communities of color, sometimes I automatically, like, <laughs> Spanish, in my head, it's like a Spanish name, and they're like, no, 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 I'm, you know, from... Kentucky, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. just like, you know, you they're that flair. Yeah, it's not I just there. can't help it. Like, that's how my brain works. Uh, yeah. When I'm Cuban from Miami, and it's so funny because my whole life, that Spanish, that Cuban Spanish is like half English, mm -hmm. half actual Spanish. And there's just little things that it's like microwave. That's how we say microwave. <laughs> and so having to like relearn that when I left Miami to be like, okay, no, this, I don't, I don't say this with an accent. I just say it. Yes, uh, that's was so kind of like a process. So. Well, your movie, yes. Chabon Disco Ball, was Thank you. based on your own life. Yes. First of all, it, and it's a musical. Yes. And it is. It was so rad. First of all, I just want to say, like, it was awesome. I'm a big sister of, you know, of three, but I'm five and seven years older yes. than my sister, so I didn't have that kind of closeness. Yeah. With them, but it you kind it kind of prompted when your dad passed away and you you and your sister kind of came back together, right? Yeah. So I um, the first 
half of my life I didn't really spend with my sister because I was raised by my grandparents and she was raised by my biological father. And so when I was 18, I lost my grandfather, who was my dad, and my sister had finally started living with us again after um, just like life happened. And so between the years of me being probably like 12 to 18, I was learning my sister like you would a child. And uh, she was getting raised by my grandfather as well during that period. And so when he passed, there was just like this un understood grief that we didn't have to say out loud. And uh, something that I had to explain to other people, I never had to explain to her. And when we had a very like intimate conversation, she was like, it's been so nice getting closer to you post abuelo dying, post all of this stuff because you never really made time for me because you had a boyfriend. And that really stuck with me because if I would have heard that when I was 17, when my grandfather was still alive and when I was with my boyfriend, I would have done everything differently. And so I made this movie as an apology to her and as a conversation with myself at that age to be like, girl, look at who is here. Like, look at who loves you and supports you. This is a film for the sisters to be yeah. like, your sister's your girl. Yeah. Let me tell you, growing up, my mom would be like, boys come and go, friends yes. come and go, but your sisters are always your sisters. Yep. Always yeah. there. Look at your yeah. family. Yeah, yeah look at your family. family. Yes, I can see day. it in your eyes. Like, <laughs> Okay, girl, I'm right here. Uh, I'm right here. Oh, I'm a big sister. I love my sister. <laughs> I have two sisters as well. So, yeah. so what was your sister's reaction when she saw this film? She, we had a very, very long talk because the uh, first time I sent her the script, I didn't have the memory of her going back. She basically was like, it's really, it's adorable, it's cute. But when I sent her the script with her going back and speaking to the grandfather and having that conversation, that was when she was like, you need to shoot this movie. Because we were in COVID and COVID kept shutting down the film and I didn't know if I was going to make it. And it was my sister that was like, you need to shoot this script because I feel something and you obviously felt something and this is like important to us. And so it's that why at the end of the film I say this, is, this film is for my sister because um, she was the one that made sure I kept going. And obviously Rachel was like also there, like Annabelle, we have to make this movie. She felt it deeply as well. Yeah, and, it's such um, a universal truth of like just needing to be there for the people that matter the most, yeah. which is your family. I mean, we were all, we had a, an amazing producing team. We're all, it's a female-led movie with two other producers that are also women of color and spectacular. And yeah, we kind of all deeply felt like this needed to get done. And Adav was the voice in my head that's like, oh, you better be listening to them, girl. <laughs> you better do it. You better do it. So, so is this your first film? Yes. This and is you made it to a festival. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank that you. Is like, like there's people that make films for years and years and don't get that opportunity. So you've created something that has really touched something that people wanted to see here. With so I wanted to say congratulations. Filmmakers. Yeah, they, the block, it was amazing. Oh my gosh, it was, I, look, I really needed a laugh. Yeah. And I, my tummy hurts. Yeah, you got it tenfold. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Every movie was uniquely funny in very different mm -hmm. ways. Ours is very, I grew up on High School Musical, so I, there's a different aesthetic <laughs> to me, but obviously we're directly after, or we were directly before a film about someone dying because of an orgasm, you know? And it, it was just the same. It was just but all it was hilarious. hilarious. It was all hilarious. What a way to die. <laughs> yeah. All different shades of brown, all different, mm -hmm. you know, types of comedy and all 
like fiercely Latino, like yeah. so radically like us. And so that great. was lovely. That was lovely. Have you submitted to other festivals? We are currently in the process of still submitting. I submitted to South by and Tribeca and we didn't get into those, but it was funny because even from the large festivals we were getting, we love your movie. <laughs> like programmers yeah, are reaching out independently and saying, we can't fit you into our program, but we needed to independently tell you that this moved us and we loved it. And um, we'll keep you in mind. And that was one of those moments where it's like, we, we did make a very, very, very unique 19 minute musical. So definitely like curating blocks like this is always hard and uh, congrats to programmers that can do it. But it's also just nice to be spoken to, to be like, hey, it didn't work, but keep going. Yeah. It must feel validating, right? I mean, tonight is validating yeah. and emails are validating and having conversations with my producers where they're like, Annabelle, like you gotta do stuff and I wanna make stuff with you forever. And I'm just like, yes, like yeah. all of this is. I know you were talking about you want to go into features. Is yeah. this something you would want to make into a bigger feature or you have something completely different in mind? I understand that this would be a very expensive movie. So there is a feature version of this being made and then I have another musical feature that I'm writing that I could make for like $200,000. That's so much money. <laughs> I cried when I bought a couch. So this, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I say these things, it's a little odd, but. But honestly, it's important for yes. people to know because so many, yourself, so many filmmakers do not come right. from privileged backgrounds, yeah. from, you know, backgrounds where they have money. Yes. So you're you're scraping and, and doing whatever you can to, yeah. to feed your love. Yes. Mm -hmm. I said this during my Q&A at the end. Everything I write and make is to nurture and protect who I was at 15 because there is a version of myself that did not believe I could make a movie, that did not believe I could like be brown and write stories about brown girls and all of this stuff. And so there's just like a, a duty that I have to myself and to girls like me at that age to just be like, no, 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 we can do it. We're going to do it. Um, and just like, I always live with the fact that there has not been a Latina director that's ever won an Oscar. And I'm like, ooh, like it, that, that keeps me up, that keeps me going. And I want to be part of, you know, that big next generation that we will have. Because well, I want you to be part proof. of that too. Yes. I'm gonna shout you out. Thank you. From the rooftops, girl. I appreciate you. Um, how can people find you? Um, I am on Instagram at Annabelle Inigo Go and uh, Twitter at Annabelle Inigo. And those are my only two. And you can follow the film on Wish Upon a Disco Ball. Yes. See, thank Great you, Rachel, producer. for making yes. the producer, sure. the, the producer, MVP. making sure. Yes, yes. Uh, Wait, we gotta talk that the film's gotta get the love too. Yeah, my girls well, were. Congratulations, both of you. Thank you. I loved watching it. Thank you. I, that's why I was like, wait, I need to make sure I get yes. the <laughs> I appreciate it. So, you. thank yeah. you for taking the time to talk to me. As well. No, thank you for asking to speak to me about this. Yes. This is this this right here is a nurturing moment in my life, yeah. and I will never forget it. So, thank, thank you. Thank you. Okay, mi gente, I am with Alberto Costa and Xander Torres from the movie Haha, the short film Haha. Right. Alberto, you were the director. Xander, you were the star. Thank you. You were the one with the haha. -ha. Yes, <laughs> with the mischievous laugh, you know. Which we were waiting the entire thing to hear, yeah. right? But I want to just kind of go back because you were saying in the Q and A yeah. that this is 
based on you. So can you give a little bit more info uh, on that? Well, it's not necessarily based on me. It was inspired by my mom making fun of, well, not making fun of, but she was talking to my tia and she was like literally like, yeah, Tito, because that's what they call me, Tito, because Albertito, right? Because my dad's name is Albert, but Alberto. Uh, she's like, yeah, Tito laughs like, and she started like imitating me. She didn't know I was in the other room. And I was like, do I really laugh like that? Right. So the days go by and I, I laugh and I'm like, I do laugh like that. That's <laughs> insane. Like, and it's not necessarily like a very crazy or disgusting laugh or anything like that, but it's a very particular laugh. Yeah. And that's what inspired when I started writing. I was like, I want to make it about just a guy who's very insecure about his laugh, you know, but the punchline was it is pretty ugly. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, what's so funny is I do have a distinctive laugh as well. And when I laugh uh -huh. really hard, I sound like a machine gun. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I think, and I think that's why the film is very relatable. I think the film is really, very relatable because I think everybody feels like that about their laugh. Yeah. And I, I, like most people that I talk to are like, yeah, I laugh a weird laugh too. But I think laughs are supposed to be weird, you yes. know? And I think that's the, the, that's the fun of the, the film is like, this guy really like can't wrap his head around his girlfriend saying that he laughs a particular way, you know? And Xander, what drew you to the script to even want to audition for this? Oh, man. Uh, so if we throw it back a little bit, him and I had been friends prior to, and we had worked on a, a short piece called Anxiety uh, with a, kind of a similar concept, somebody who's insecure and has anxiety. And, you know, he was, you know, casting for the film, and he was like, hey, like, I, you know, I think this would be a good fit, but let's, let's try it out. And that's where I discussed earlier about the audition process was literally just laughing to figure it out if this was going to work. And I think I got it because I'm in the, I'm in the film, you know? So we, you know, we made it work, but he sent me uh, two, I think he sent me two or three videos long, like three minute videos of him laughing, just purely laughing. And I didn't watch all of them when I already, I it automatically knew that he, he got the role, but yeah. yeah, it was great. <laughs> and I think we'll also like to answer your question full circle. What what drew me to it too is like, cause I've, I've, I mean, like I said earlier, everybody has like an insecurity and I was like, you know what? I definitely do feel like my laugh could be something that I struggle with too, to help me kind of relate to the character. Because I've been at parties where if I start laughing, people are like, turn around. they literally will turn and look so at me and they're like, why, what's so, it's not that funny. And I'm like, I just want to laugh. So this was my opportunity to kind of take that and harness it in a good way, in a creative way. There's no perfect, more perfect title to the film mm -hmm. than Haha, -ha, but I'm kind of disappointed you didn't put J-A-J-A. -A. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be pretty good. Oh, that right. Hey, the sequel, bro. <laughs> I'm in no, PR, so. Boom. I'm gonna hit, next time I make my film, I'll be like, hey, watch it and let me know what title you think. Yeah. Because that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's that good. Is, that's actually now, clever. funny thing about the title real quick, the way, the way it came up is because the last part of the film, he goes, <laughs> and, and it's in parentheses because it's, if you put it in subtitles, that's the way they would present it to yeah. the audience of mm -hmm. what they're looking at, hearing. So that's where the title came from. But that would have been good. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty clever, yeah. Laughs in Spanish. Yeah, 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 laughs in Spanish. Oh my gosh. You know what I'm about? Yes, yes, that was so that's crazy so funny, still. Yeah, I know. Um, so this is obviously not your first film because you were talking about another project that you've done. Well, they, uh, well, actually this is, the other project we did was like a micro, micro, it was like one or two minutes long. Like that other one. Yeah, kind of like that. Like, I was kinda, like, oh, it's done? Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of like, this like and it's over, you know? I was testing the waters because what happened is I've never really made a film and the pandemic happened and, and, and uh, I got laid off and I was like, you know what? What else am I going to do? I want to make films. So then we literally, hunt, we 
met up for five hours and we filmed a little skit, a little tiny short film. But this one is officially like a, my first official short film, like that I've submitted to festivals and like. That's I'm, awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I look, I've, you know, previously was talking to somebody else and her first film in a festival. Mm -hmm. These are these are really amazing steps for you guys. Yeah, thank I think you. it's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what? There was a question that I had and I'm all so of a sorry, sudden yeah. it. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> there it is. You were, back. you were saying we've worked together before. And yeah, now I forget. It's going to come back to me. You'll find what, it. So you were talking about you don't have any formal film training because yeah. somebody from one of the colleges was asking about that. So what? Where is the? where did the love for film to not only just want to digest it visually, yeah. but to make it come from? I think I've always just been a really creative person. Like in high school, I had a clothing brand and I was doing graphic design and I was just doing a lot of creative stuff. And... I'm 29. A lot of these college students are young, you know, and, and I wish I could go back and be You're like... You're young, too. Oh, I know. I'm, I, well, it's relative. We're all right? young. We're well, it's, it's real, but my point, my point is that it's never too late. Even if I was 40, maybe I would find it. But I think it, it came from just a knack of, of telling stories because what happened was my friend had a camera and he was making his little like little films and shorts and skits. And I was always there kind of in his ear, like, hey, what if you did this? Like, what if you did that? What if you, so that's where, and then I was like, okay, like, I feel like I'm doing more than someone who's actually doing it. So then I was like, I started picking up a camera. I first started with uh, music videos and commercials and stuff like that. Um, and then I just started writing and it just kind of came natural to me. Xander, what's the performance that you're like, I want to do that? Like, out of any actor of all time, if, like, I could name one thing and be like, oh, my God, that right was there. Was there a one thing or was it just every time you saw something, you're like, I want to do that. I can do that. Like, what was Based it? on what I saw tonight in there? No, in no, life. Or in life. Like, yeah, as an in actor. Life. Oh, an to actor. inspire me. Yeah. Um, no, what's the performance that you, that you would take right now? Like, as, like, a role? Like, yeah. take a role? That's a freaking great question. Wow. Well, he gets, he gets the, he looks like Tom Holland. You know who that is? Yes. So he would take a Spider-Man role. Yeah, Spider but then I would then I would be living in his shadow. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, it's yeah, it's all fun and games until they're like, okay, stunt double or or stand in, you know? Yeah. So I mean look it. Miles Morales still has not got his due, so let's just Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. That's a good you're not point. Really the right pigment no, but I mean like, hey, you never know, no, right? But I'm, I'm just saying, like we you know, let's be honest. Like, how much of a fit would there be if they saw a Xander Torres? What? He's not Latino. Yeah. No, like, but he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah Miles <laughs> But Morales he is. is. Yeah. Right? Like, the people just find yeah. crazy things. Yeah, 100%. That's why I love this. Like, mm. that's why it's been so amazing to be here and be part of this and interview so many of yeah. you because uh, that's awesome. you walk into a room and you feel the love, mm -hmm. you feel the support, yeah. you just feel this thing that's kind of inexplicable. I yeah. Think. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is my second festival. So HaHa -ha got into three. One was virtual, and then I, I attended the, uh, another one. But by far, this, the audience was... was uh, yeah, everybody's super Yeah, my, my, my wife was crying in the middle of the screening. Cause, cause she, and I'm not getting too right, but yeah. it really felt like people understood the film. like And, it's, and it, it felt like they understood me, you know? Yeah. So that was awesome. Which is insane. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't answer your question in a way but if I had to say I can't narrow it down to like one specific thing but I can tell you this if I'm gonna do anything in this this wild life and this journey of like being an actor because I already I'm committed like I'm there's no plan B this is the only plan I want to do something that some little kid or somebody it doesn't matter kid you know adult whoever watching can see that and be motivated by that or at least feel something and take that and then apply it to their own life 
and want to do something with their own life in that regard. Because I remember when I was a kid being influenced by all those people that I saw on TV, movies, and I thought to myself, it was so far out of reach, but if I could just find a way to, to do it, I would be able to wake up every morning and be like, let's go. Yeah. And I no, have I never... I understand that. Yes. That's kind of how I feel with the podcast, right? Yes. Like, oh, it's rooted in to, passion. I get to it's talk about all these different things. Yeah. And, you know, if one person comes away saying, I can do that, I can get through this, I've, oh, wow, they've See? gone through this or whatever, I can do it too. Yeah. I think it just makes it all worth it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how can people find both of you? So I'm, I'm mostly <laughs> just on Instagram. I don't really have social medias, but mm-hmm. on Instagram, I'm at Hi Alberto Acosta. And then I'm kind of on TikTok too, Albert X Acosta. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I'm on Instagram at Xander Torres, no spaces, no capitals. Look. And what about the film? Oh, so the film it has not really released yet, but I probably will release it on YouTube Probably within the next week. What's your YouTube channel? Uh, well, I don't know. Okay, well, you're <laughs> going to need to send me the YouTube channel so I can make yeah. sure I put that in the show notes. Yeah, it's going to be haha short film probably, but I'll yeah. send you the link for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, send me the link. Thank you guys so much. Thank of you. Of course. And I just want to say... Um, oh, anyway, no, my boy's getting... No, no, no. Say no, whatever no, you no, need, girl. No, I wasn't yes. going to say it. No, no okay, I was going to say I love the name of your podcast. Oh. Mi gente. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. No, mine's not mi gente. Oh, it's not? What is it? Mine's wine and cheese. Yeah, wine and cheese. You just said mi gente. Because I always talk about that's my phrase. That's ah, my phrase. I, I say hola mi gente. Ah, like, it's because I, I heard I heard somebody say they had a podcast called yes. Mi Gente. So, yeah, okay. the other guy does. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. they're I amateurs. Still, they're only I, like twenty episodes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about amateurs. Anyway, right? I love wine and cheese. Man. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, no, I, was, I will totally cheese. support. I will totally Reason support cheese. them. And uh, yeah, we had a, we had a really good time. So thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much. Hola, hola, mi gente. I am now with Jose Montesinos, the director, star, writer, producer, writer, producer part stunt coordinator. Well, no, not, <laughs> not, not stunt coordinator. Okay, stunt, stunt man, I don't know. You were like, there's a lot of things going on. For Chico and Rico, Animal Avengers. That's right. I love that name. So let me tell you to start off for your short film. I think the entire theater had no idea what to expect at the very beginning because, well, you said that, I think I heard you say that it's available on YouTube, right? Yeah. Okay, so we'll give that name in a minute, but, you know, you have basically a dog fight situation at the yeah. beginning, and every I think everybody, including myself, as a dog lover, and I have a, and a pit bull owner, it's like very tense at the beginning, Yeah. and then... Voila, Chica and Rico come to save the day. What was the motivation? Like, where did the story come from? Wow, that's a good question. Um, well, so the character of Rico was a character that got made up years ago. And another friend of mine, uh, actually Dennis Rule, who played Chico, he made a film. And in that film, there was a movie within the movie where I played this character named Rico, who was like this kind of cowboy type. And then somehow that over time developed into, wouldn't it be interesting if he was an animal whisperer? And wouldn't it be interesting if he had a partner named Chico and the two of them went around rescuing animals from abusive situations and Rico could talk to animals and there'd be like martial arts fights, but it would be funny. So that idea has been kind of stirring in my head for, God, like a decade. Eventually we finally said, let's just, I've been working on it and working on it and developing it and getting it to a point where it made sense in my head. And finally I said, look, man, we're not getting any money to make the pilot. Let's just make a proof of concept. So that's where that came from. 
Oh my gosh, I think we were laughing throughout the whole thing. Was Liz, how, like when you're watching people watch your baby, essentially, what's going on inside? So I actually, I was really excited about that. I was, uh, I came here specifically because I was like, I really want to see what a room, a theater, room full of people who don't know me, how they react to it. Because, you know, I've been showing it around for a while now and people really react well to it. And a lot of them are my friends and, you know, you never know. So uh, it was exciting. I was really excited. I wasn't, normally I'm like terrified when something of mine is showing, but today I wasn't. I was actually very excited. I was like, as soon as that door busted and everybody started cheering, I went, this is going to be great. They're going to, they're going to, this is the right audience. Yeah. So it felt really good. Oh, absolutely. Is this the first film you've had in a film festival? No, no, no. I've had through the years, uh, different films and different film festivals, but um, this is the first time I've gotten to come see this movie play at a film festival. And what makes the San Diego Latino Film Festival different from other film festivals that you've been part of? I don't know. It's the vibe. There's like this communal vibe and a lot of support for the, the culture. And the, um, it's, just, it's, it's just very vibrant, yeah. you know? Yeah. Festive. Well, what is, are, do, are you in any more festivals with this film? I was in one other one in San Francisco and then this one. And I think we're waiting to hear from a couple more. But believe it or not, we got rejected by a lot. We did not get into a lot of film festivals that I submitted to. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how. It's it's so good. I'm very curious, too, like what the reasons were, because it seems that people really love it. So I'm not sure what it is. It could be the violent thing. It could be that it's like kind of violent. and. But, you know, it really reminded me of those old 70s ninja movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. There's a little little bit bit of that that vibe, right? Spaghetti Western with a little of the martial arts thing. Yeah, kind of had a little bit of mix of all of those. But it was so well executed thank you that it just it just went so well together and talk about the dogs you taught you were saying that they're rescue dogs and the pit bull was actually a rescue because it got stabbed yeah it was rescued from a trailer it was like a trailer that i think the guy was like a meth dealer or something and so the the trailer caught fire and these two women who run a um K911 now is like a, um, you can look them up on Instagram and stuff. They, they're a res- animal rescue team and they rescued this dog uh, named Little Bit and they got her and it's a she, even though in the movie she plays a he. I had to replace all her barks because her barks were more higher and more oh. playful sounding. So I had to replace them with like real deep, mean sounding barks. When I met her, she was still being trained. She still wasn't good with other animals. Like she still might attack them, uh-huh. like for real. But she was great with people. Like, she loved people. She was the sweetest, sweet dog ever with people. But, yeah, her and then the beagle was also a rescue. And that beagle was so not scared. It was just wanted to play. And, (laughs) you know, I had to, like, pick the moments that it looked like it was retreating and then add the sound effect of a scared dog. Because in reality, all it wanted to do was play. Uh, And you indicate, obviously, no animals were harmed in this. But we love rescue dogs. We, you know, I'm a dog lover myself. And I have a pit bull, so... You know, yeah. and he is the wimpiest thing. He's afraid of our ten-pound dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I get, I, I get that whole situation. What is that? How can now? How can people find the film? Watch the film. What's next for you? It's actually on YouTube right now. You just look up Chico and Rico Animal Avengers on YouTube, and what would be great is just to get a bunch of eyes on it and just positive energy around it because I'm trying to get it in front of the right people to hopefully get it produced. And I've been sharing it with like, I've got it in front of some decent sized names that and they all like it, but you know how movies, businesses, like people go, yeah, we love it. We just don't know what we can do with it. Or yeah, I'll get back to you. Or 
So we're just, right now, what we want to do is either develop it as a series, which is originally what we thought it would be. We thought it would be a great series or a low-budget feature. Yeah. So either way, just to get it out there. So yeah, look it up on, on YouTube and comment on it, share it, please share it, and just get as many eyes on it as possible. And how can people find you? Uh, you could look me up on Instagram. I'm Jose Montesinos. Uh, my handle is uh, Jose underscore Monte, M-O-N-T-E, 16. And you'll see because I'm, I'm in the Rico outfit holding a chicken. <laughs> Which was funny because the film right after ours, the uh, Illegally Brown, yes. um, they had a chicken in it. Yes. And I was like, it's so funny because in the series, Chico and Rico actually have a mascot chicken named Pollo Bravo that, that goes on adventures <laughs> with them. We didn't have it in the budget for the short to have the Pollo Bravo there, but uh, we do want a character named Pollo Bravo. So the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, it's like they got Pollo Bravo in their movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to talk to me. No, I thank really you for taking the time and watching and enjoying the film. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you. Okay, mi gente, I am with Jordan Jacobo. He is the director and one of the stars of the short film, The Buck Stop. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing well and thank you for having me. Okay, so I, you were, you kind of closed the short films. Yes. And, oh my gosh. Like, well, let me just say, like, all of the films were truly amazing. Yeah, they well, were great. Yes. What was your favorite? Uh, I think my favorite was uh, Illegally Brown. It was hilarious. And even my dad was like, that's the best one. I was like, all right, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. But it is what it is. But the funny thing is, is yours, here's, let me tell you what I loved about yours. You're Latino, but it wasn't about being Latino at all. It was just this grocery store setting the, with the random ass people, this crazy circumstance, you right. being one of the random ass people, you being the annoying person, actually. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm, if there is a villain in the film, he's probably me. I wouldn't say a villain. I would say an like... An antagonist, a, a strong small, antagonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You're definitely there to push the buttons. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. the cheap one. <laughs> yeah, much like in real life. How much am I getting paid for this interview, by the way? <laughs> I'm cheap to nothing. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so tell me about what made you decide, like, this was the scenario, this is what it was going to be. It wasn't going to be about being Latino, it just was a film made by a Latino. So my actress, Catherine Meyer, she wanted a comedy. And so we collaborated on that. She's a big fan of, um, she wanted she wanted a character that was grouchy but lovable. And I said, well, what about B. Arthur in The Golden Girls? And she says, yeah, let's do that. So we sort of, we based it loosely on, on, on B. Arthur's humor and sarcasm. I can see that. But, uh, you know, I, she, Catherine is, is a real character all her own. So she brought her own spunkiness and, and her own uniqueness to the role. And uh, I thought she did a great job. I thought she was very funny. She, she brought down the house. She did. I really, I was very pleased with uh, the audience's reaction to her. I mean, she got a huge, huge applause when she came on stage, and I couldn't be happier because she deserves it. I did get a chance to meet her last night. Interesting lady, yes, huh? Yes, and I just told her, I said, you play the best grouchy lady ever, and you're amazing. Like, she really was. Thank you for saying so. Which is funny because in, in real life, she's a very nice lady. Yes. But she loves playing in Grouchy and she does it very well. She sure does. Oh my gosh, she, she does. It would be remiss for me to say. I mean, we have listeners from all over the country, actually all over the globe, which is so crazy to yeah, say. Yeah, that's awesome. But you're a San Diego native. Yes, born and raised. Yes, so I was very excited to see like one of the filmmakers is a San Diego native. 
How does that ever play in any of your filmmaking? Uh, well, I, I'd like to think that there's a certain sensibility, you know, sort of Latinos in San Diego are slightly different than Latinos anywhere else, even in L.A., yeah. you know. And so I, li I like to think that my writing reflects some of those sensibilities. Look, I, if you ask me what those sensibilities are, I couldn't put a finger I on it. I was about to say, what are those? I have no idea, but people have told me, they go, okay, you have your own little voice, and I appreciate that. You know, and I think a lot of my writing and performing is, is influenced and informed by, by growing up here in the South Bay. Of uh, uh, San Diego, you know. So, how important is it to you not only that this film festival is in San Diego, but being a San Diegan, a Latino in girl who grew up in San Diego, to have a film in the San Diego Latino Film Festival? It's specifically the festival for me. It's huge. So, when I was 16 years old back in 1998, my mother, my father, and I uh, volunteered. We, this is the first year that we'd heard of the San Diego Latino Film Festival. And back then it was called Cena 98. And it had already been running for five years, but we volunteered. And it was, I had, had a time in my life. I met Ray Bradbury and I met Edward James Olmos and I was starstruck. And I just loved seeing uh, local films on the big screen. And I always said, someday I want my film to screen at this, specifically this festival, which is why uh, 25 years later, at this year's 30th anniversary San Diego Latino Film Festival. It's a huge honor for me to be able to screen my film here. And I'm very honored that they chose my film, quite honestly. For me, this is huge. This is a full circle moment. Honestly, I love hearing that because I think, you know, as Latinos, we don't see enough representation. I mean, we have what we, we purchase over 20% of, of ticket sales when it comes to movies, or I think it's like 25 or something like that, 25, 26%. That's a pretty high number. And then, but yet like less than 2% of representation that actually goes to the theaters is within, is of the Latino community. To me, that seems unconscionable because look, as a kid, I was an indoor kid, so I was raised by the TV. But everything I saw, I mean, they, they, it didn't reflect my stories or people that looked like me. I think the, the guy that came the closest was Tony Danson, who's the boss. You know, he was dark-skinned, but he was still, he was Italian from the East Coast. So it's nice to finally uh, start to see some representation in film. Most recently, Namor was played by Tenoch Huerta, who I was actually a big fan of him before he was chosen. So when I heard he was chosen, I was ecstatic because, you know, I, I saw this guy's career sort of blossom, and now, I mean, this is mainstream. For me, this is huge, yeah. and I'm a big Star Wars fan, and so much of Star Wars is now Latino. You know, you have Oscar Isaacs, uh, you have uh, Diego Luna, uh, you have... Um, the current zaddy of everybody's life. Yes, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, that beautiful man. Yes. And it's just great <laughs> to see, look, Latinos are speaking up, and it sounds like Hollywood is finally listening. And I think it's a step in the right direction. However, I don't want us to be complacent because I think that we need more representation. I think that now that we're actually starting to rock the boat, I think we need to rock harder and really make our voice heard. No, I absolutely agree. I think that that's honestly, that's why I started this whole podcast, right? And it's not just a Latino podcast. It's really about amplifying voices across communities of color because so many of us, we need to make sure that we need to support each other, but we also need to make sure that we're collaborating and supporting others across communities. Absolutely, color. absolutely. So what outside of the Latino Film Festival, what is the next step for your film? Okay, so that film finishes festival run. This is the last uh, screening of it. Catherine Meyer and I shot another film. It's another short film. Uh, so that's about to start its uh, festival run. However, she and I are now making a feature film. 
and I'm very excited about it. And we start shooting next month, principal photography. It's going to take us a couple months because we, we're working at a different pace. So it's like a long feature film. Yeah, it's about, boy, the script is about 98 pages, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's going to take us a while to shoot, but we are committed. And I'm very excited about it. And, and one of my main goals is to show people of color in film, you know, so African-Americans, Latinos, and also uh, Native Americans, uh, Asian Americans, Indian Americans. For me, that, that's very important. And that's one of the goals that I have with this film. So for me to be able to contribute in my own small way to people of color in the cinema is big, is big. And I just hope I do, I hope I do it well, you know? It's my first feature length film, so I'm just trying not to mess up. Well, I will say any contribution I don't think is a small contribution. I think it's a significant contribution. Well, thank you. I pre Look, I, I hope you're right. We'll see what the box office says. Well, look, if you need some behind behind the scenes thing, I'm your girl. I you know what? You. I'm going to take you up on it now. Right. I'm going to take you up on it now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so, so. Oh, wait, how can people find you? Uh, people can find me on social media, uh, Jordan underscore hates or just Jordan Jacobo on Instagram and Facebook. And also I have uh, another social media page on kpbs.com, Instagram and Facebook called Jordan Loves. And essentially what I do is they're, they're short videos in which I feature things that are interesting to me. New bars, socially active organizations, or even just, you know, people in the community that I feel are doing making a difference. That's on Jordan Loves. Oh, so I'll be on there soon. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> now that you put me on the spot, I have no other choice. So yes, by default. You know what? You got to shoot your shot when it's in front of you. You're right. I respect that. I respect that. So yeah, you can find me there uh, across all social media platforms. All right, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And we will do like a full interview very soon. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. I thank appreciate you. it. And that, mi gente, is a wrap on the 2023 30th anniversary of the San Diego Latino Film Festival. I had such an amazing time, and I want to thank the San Diego Latino Festival for allowing me to participate in all of the activities and seeing so many amazing films and meeting so many rad filmmakers, from directors to producers to the talent themselves, and then to the people who were part of the putting the whole festival together. So I hope that if you have a chance, you participate in the years to come and... Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.